Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by ListenNotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast. Today, we're so blessed that you're joining us. You know, reaching the youth of today is so important. For the continuation of a successful society. But yet, especially after the pandemic, we see today's youth in turmoil. Any sane person can clearly see the difference that those two years made in teenagers' lives. It's evident in the grades in schools and the interactions they have with those in authority. It's been said that the youth of today are going to become the leaders of tomorrow. Well, if this nation, if this society wants any chance of continuing to live the dream, we need to reach the young men and young women who will be our leaders tomorrow. Following that calling, our guest today has been doing just that. Ahmad Vital, Ahmad Vital is a motivational consultant, international speaker, ministry leader, and author who's been sharing inspirational guidance around the world. He's providing these young people with the tools they will need for personal success. They are learning how to utilize their own willpower and determination to overcome obstacles and achieve their personal goals, all while making society better as they do. His latest book, Now What? Five Steps to Get Up and Create the Most of Life, is a guide for young adults who want to have concrete, practical solutions for their problems. It doesn't matter if they have been raised in troubled homes or embroiled in the criminal justice system. It does not matter if they are in the university systems or even finished with college. If they have no clear path forward, it doesn't matter. This book, Now What?, is designed to help them steer their life towards productivity and fulfillment. Ahmad started his own company, That Guy Media Group, where he's been helping small businesses and nonprofit organizations in dream building and goal setting. Help me welcome to the program, Ahmad Vital. Ahmad, it is so good to talk with you today. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on and, and share with us about all that you do and this amazing book. Thank you, Robert, for having me on. Amen. Now, the first question I always ask is this. Other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Ahmad Vital? <laughs> well, there's a you listen you listen you listen a long list of so many different things, but you know we're going to keep it very simple. Um, I'm a young man from a small town in Texas with a dream and a pen in his hand. Um, everything I do, everything I do, God's gift to me was my ability to be able to write. Everything comes from the idea that I put pen to pad to start everything in my life. Wrote my started writing in my early, early, early years. Wrote my first book at 11. Was writing for newspapers by the time I was 14. Newspaper editor all through high school. Majored in journalism in college. Came out of college and took a very low paying job, but was working at a newspaper once again, the largest community newspaper in the, in the chain in the uh, in the state of Texas. And then went from there and went into online blogging, where I started doing college football recruiting analysts. Uh, for uh, Scout.com Rivals and Fox Sports Southwest. I was doing that type of work. So everywhere, it was all based on writing. 
but also everywhere, it always ended up seeming like young people were involved as well. Always the youth involved. But me, man, at the core, I'm just a writer. I'm just a, I'm a writer from 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 New Caney, Texas, who came out with a dream. And hopefully I'm uh, continuing to fulfill that and make my father and mother proud. Amen. Amen. You know, something I didn't put down, but you just briefly touched on it because you were a successful college football recruiting analyst and also working with Fox, Fox Sports. Tell us a little bit about your life during that time, just to lay a bit more background. Well, I've been a sports writer since, you know, my early teen years, uh, all through high school. I, you know, it's funny, I'm actually writing about games I was playing in sometimes, um, <laughs> but just continue to, to just keep that going and, you know, for me, like I, I've been a jock pretty much my whole life and I've been a writer pretty much my whole life. And I've always wanted to be able to merge those two together. So those were really good times. I came out of a, I came out of the community uh, newspaper writing. Interesting. I came out of college. Um, I'd, I'd worked in some bars and some different places and I was making really good money as a college student only for me to get a degree and go back home to the uh, go back home and move to Houston to get a newspaper job at a community newspaper making $10 an hour. Mm. And I remember looking at that job and telling my father, I was like, there's no way I'm taking this job. I was like, I'm in Houston. There's no way I can live on $10 an hour. And he said, you will take that job and you will stay there for a year. I was just like, no, I'm not. He's like, you will take that job and you will stay there for a year. He said, if you can learn how to live at $10 an hour, you will never be broke again. Amen. So good wisdom. So, Amen. and it's funny because I mean, you're talking about $17,700. So my father in telling me to do that, he, he was over, he was out overseas at the time. And so he had me, you know, doing some things around the house when my grandmother was living down here, she was elderly at the time. And uh, so he paid me an extra 500 a month. So now I'm making $23,700, which last I checked, even back in 04 was below the poverty line. But you know, we make we make do where we can, but it, it did teach me a lot from a budgeting standpoint, never live above your means, very small, one bedroom apartment. And so all of those things factored into to me doing all that stuff. But I can tell you right now, when I came out, uh, it's funny, I took that job uh, at the community newspaper. And next thing you know, um, someone in that community who I was covering was very interested in my work. And they said, you seem to have a lot of knowledge in this college football recruiting thing. So they, after a year, I went on to be a part of a startup company called College Ball or Bust, where we would help young athletes be able to find scholarships. And be able to help them get recruited. And so I was the VP of that company. And I stayed there for like five or so years. But during that time, that's when I got picked up by um, Scout.com, Fox and Rivals during that time. But but all of that just kind of trickled down. So my father, you know, telling me to take the job led me to the startup company, which led me to the, you know, national sports writing opportunity that really, I mean, that really set things off. I mean, I was where I was able to buy my own house at the age of 29 you know, because I was just doing so many great things as far as, you know, going with the national sports writing, uh, you know, obviously starting off with the University of Oklahoma with Sooners Illustrated Magazine, but everything just sort of blew up from there. So that's where that's where the sports writing comes from. And man, it's uh, it's been a wild ride with that. But, you know, I love I love that work and still kind of tipping my toe in that, you know, doing some stuff here and there with Dave Campbell's Texas football here and there. But um you know, it's kind of like the mob. Like you just never really leave sports writing. Um, you may step away for a little while, but they'll find a way, they'll find a way to get you back. <laughs> hey man, that's a good analogy. <laughs> now, now you are focused 
on making an impact in the lives of our future leaders. How are the societal factors today different from what they were back when you were out recruiting and doing all that? Well, if you, if I'll say this, if we were paying more attention, the foundation for what we're dealing with now was going on then. It just wasn't as, it wasn't just in your, as in your face as it is now. I mean, we still had, you know, you know, let's just say, I guess by the time it had been third wave feminism, we all, we still had the, you know, the overwhelmingly uh, entitlement welfare programs and things of that nature, which was completely decimating society and still are. But now, you know, I'll say that the societal evil forces are on, like, it's full alert. It's all, it's an all out assault at this point in time. Um, back then, it, the conversations around, you know, whether you want to call it gender roles or just, you know, what everyone's purpose is, especially with the young people, there wasn't as much because there wasn't as much programming that was as reckless as it is now. Yeah, I mean, I came up at a time when, you know, dirty rap music and, you know, even going all the way back to, you know, some of the some of the Beatles early work and all that stuff. Like there was always kind of little <laughs> subtle things going on behind the scene. John Lennon, you know, those types of things, you know, and and it was going on then. It's just now it's like they're just not hiding the ball anymore, man. Like they're just they're just outright just, hey, here's. Here's a guy dressed in a, it's a guy dressed in a tutu telling you telling them to follow follow me down this you know the yellow brick road or whatever road color road is now um it's just it's just more it's more it's more in your face it's more they're not it's like is there not a, it's not even like they're trying to like go behind this it's like no yes we want your children right like like, like no, no no hiding about we we want your children uh we want them to to come up and more of a secular worldview. We want them to think about these things. And you and your, what do they call it? Your your sky daddy. Like, we don't care what he thinks. And they're just coming out right and just saying it now. And it's like, man, like like this is, this is the greatest time to be alive. But man, I'll tell you what, if you're not, if you're not armoring up every day, I mean, like, 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 you know, I, 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 I share with people all the time, you know, the 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 same generation they're coming after is the same generation who are going to, I think, kick the teeth out of all of this stuff that's going on right now. I think there's a major revival going on in the let's just say the the probably like 11, 12 year olds through like the early 20s. Um, I think the great revival is going to come from them. And it has been said by some of the people I listen to, some of the scholars who come by our church and speak that this generation is going to be the one to do that. So so now what is what is my role? My role now is like, OK. Let me let me armor up every day. Let me get as much data as I can about what they're doing, where the subtleties are that they can't catch. And let me go every day. I'm with them and pour everything out. I'm talking about empty my tank every day. I'm with them and give them as much game, as much biblical truth as I can so that they can go out and fight the battles that Mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not in the school system. I'm not in, you know, out there like that. Now, I do frequent some schools here and there, but you all are there every day. So I know those hallways are dark. I know some of these teachers are dark. I know some of these administrators are compromised. I know that the medical profession, I know that all these different institutions, all these pillars of society have absolutely been hijacked. You may not be able to see it, but I do because now I know your tactics. And so now I'm going to tell my teens, hey, watch out for this. Hey, watch out for this movement. Hey, check the surroundings in your room. Take those evil posters down off of your wall. 
uh, purge your social media. Check out check out these this type of music. Don't even go over here at all, right? And so the difference between then then and now is like now the enemy is said like I say what what COVID did. COVID took the mask off of everything. COVID took the mask off of the medical profession, off of government, off of schools, off of marketing, off of media. It took the mask off of everything, and it's like okay. Now we know where our enemy is. It's still some subtleties going on, but we know who you are and we know what you look like. And you know what? You can't have our children. You're going to fight. And you know what? Over our dead bodies, you're going to come after our children. And we're going to be here standing in the way with our armors, with our shields, with our helmets, with our belt, and with our blessed plate. Do not come do not come and mess with us because you mess with our kids. You come through us first. Amen. Amen. And, you know, helping these young people become the leaders of tomorrow is, I mean, one, it's a, definitely a ministry calling. In fact, Proverbs 22, 6 clearly tells us, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. Praise God. Is that what you're talking about is happening today? Nobody's training the youth in the way they should go. And that's really where your ministry efforts coming in. I, I think we're at a place now where, where we just have to welcome and open arms to prodigals. Um, because you got to remember, like, I'm a I'm Gen X, right? And it's probably 50-50 on us because my generation was probably one of the first to like start straying away from the church. Well, now think about me in my mid forties. Now my kids would be teenagers. And if I'm not in the church, they're more than likely not in the church. So now we have a, we have a fractured. I mean, cause I don't have the exact numbers on me, but I know that the decline in church attendance has gone down about seven or 8% over the last, you know, couple of years, uh, year on year. And it's, and these numbers are devastating. Mm -hmm. And so Without that community, it's hard to reach them in that way because they do they do need that, you know, that protection around them, uh, other people praying and pouring into them. And so, you know, to be able to raise up the leaders, you do need to bring them into the house. You need to bring them into the house, you know, and be able to empower them. Not to say that you can't do it by going to a school. You can't do it by going to a community center. But there needs to be levels to this. They need to be in the main service and hear and hear, you know, the senior pastor pouring into there. And then you need to deal with your youth pastor, the the, the different pastors. Like you need to be poured into from so many different ways because the attacks are coming from so many different ways. And, yeah. you know, our mental, you know, we got to get over the mental health issue. We got to get over, you know, like you said, those two years that were lost that some people are not going to get on the other side of. So I do I do in, in the work I do with them, I I, I am looking to create leaders. Especially in the young men, especially mm -hmm. in the young men, because um, I'll just be completely honest. What what society has tried to do with young men is one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. And as much as we are not supposed to be angry, um, I'm almost right there as to how society has lied to our young men and, and tried to tell them that. Oh, you know, trying to take competitive nature off of the table, trying to take uh, being leaders, being stoic, being pragmatic, being very stern in the way they walk and the way they operate. Leaders, leaders who, you know, you know, like we used to say back in the day, the square jaw, that look, you know, that general patent type of look, you know, they want to take those types of things out of there. It's like, you know, hey, get in touch with your sensitive side. And I'm not saying that guys need to go out there and be tyrant, but we have to be the ones who are going to build this world and the ones who have to go to battle spiritual or otherwise, even in, you know, actual, you know, army and, you know, um, uh, the special forces and things of that nature. We don't have time for men to be lame and weak. Right. Yeah. And they want 
that more than anything, because if you can feminize to a high degree, the young man, society's done. And they know that. And they know that because then now we can have, you know, useful tools, useless zealots out here who just fall in line and do what they're told. And, you know, the whole which leads into a whole lot of other things, whether you want to talk about the, you know, socioeconomic way of doing things to where everyone's just living with, you know, in this little small cocoon of just meager living, which basically just, you know, emulates, you know, back where you're talking about Germany, where you're talking about, you know, ancient China, those different places where like people just were almost like slaves and denture servants because they didn't think for themselves. They didn't, they didn't, they wasn't expressing their God-given abilities. And it was just like, you know, just kind of going along to get along. And I, I refuse to think that, that that's going to be good for young men. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I lean in on my guys very hard. I don't care where you come from. I don't care about your socioeconomic background. I don't care what care what religion you came from. I don't care the color of your parents. I don't care the color of your dog, right? <laughs> I'm going to be in front of them and say, look, and then, I mean, you can ask any one of them. They'll be like, yeah, this, I'm bringing heat because the second you walk out of this place, you're under attack mm-hmm. and there's no safety net in place for you if things go wrong. So you have to be strong. You have to be courageous. You have to be, you know, you know, righteous. Pray. You got to stay prayed up all the time. time. Like pray without ceasing. Like, I don't know how many times you can say that because like this, this battle, this battle is not (laughs) like I said, the battle is not a flesh and blood. This is, this is, this is all spiritual. This is all just going through there. And like, you can look at all of these different things. And so I want my guys to be leaders because there's no Every man is called to be a leader. Like, I don't care who you are. Every young man is called to be a leader because at some point in time, you're going to lead something, whether it's your home, whether it's at the office, whether it's in your company, whether it's in, you know, a sports team, it doesn't matter. At some point in time, you are going to be called to be a leader and probably multiple times. So we need to gear you up to be able to do those types of things. Amen. You know, as you were talking there, I reminded about Smith Wigglesworth. Someone asked him one time, thinking, you know, how, how often or how long do you pray every day? You know, they thought, oh, man, you know, he's got to be, you know, six hours a day or something like that. He said, oh, I never pray longer than about 12, 15 minutes. They said, 12 or 15 minutes and you're doing all these work. How is it that you only praying 12 or 15 minutes it allows you to do this kind of work? He says, because I never go longer than about 12 or 15 minutes without praying. In other words, he prays all day long, just short little bursts. You know about everything, and uh, and he was walking in that power that you were talking about. Amen, amen. Now you shared that your father's death actually helped you strengthen your faith. Can you explain how that tragedy could strengthen your faith? Yeah, uh, I was thirty three years old. I had just turned thirty three at the time. I just written uh, my first book, Awaken the Baller Within. Had it ready. Author copies came in, and I'm going to go see my dad that weekend. You know, I think the I think I got the books on like you know, Monday or Tuesday. Uh, My birthday was actually on Tuesday. And then my father died on that Wednesday. And I just remember that time so vividly because I was part of another, I'll say spiritual organization, kind of the whole thoughts or things, the secret manifesting, you know, you you, all you have to do is think it and it's just going to happen. And, And whereas it was still based on the Bible, it was the Bible and 
every other religious practice all wrapped into one. And at the time, for me, that was good for me. I was a little bit lost. I never strayed away from the Bible, but I was like, okay, so I get I get Jesus and I get all these other religions together. Man, I'm like I at the time, I was like I'm winning with this. And so I became kind of spiritually arrogant <laughs> to the point where I was just like, yeah, all I got to do is ask God and it's whatever. It's going he's going to give it to me cuz why? Cuz I'm his child. Like that's kind of how I would go into some of my prayers like, all right God, we about to go over here and do this. You already know what needs to happen. Yeah, go ahead and make that happen. Preach it. Thank you. Amen. Out. Like almost on that type of level. And it's like, yeah. So I kind of did that when my mom, you know, left five voicemails on my voice, left five messages on my voicemail saying your father's dying. So I'm like, oh, okay. All right. I was like, hey, and I was I was engaged at the time. And I was like, hey, hey, babe, you know, mom said, you know, dad's not doing so well. He's dying in the hospital or whatever. Let's let's go ahead and get on over here. And so I'm, you know, on the way, I'm just like, all right, God, you know what's up. Like, we got this, right? So the only thing I need you to do is make sure my father walks out of there. That's my prayer to you. Go ahead and make that happen. Appreciate you. I'm out. You know, I'm driving. Of course, I get to the hospital and it's like, it's like the Trail of Tears 9-11 and the Columbia and Challenger explosion all in one. The hallway's lined with family members and they're all deer in headlights. There's crying and, and my mom is just over there, just like, come on, I don't know what we're going to do. You know, and I got my bro, I got one of my brothers over there. He's scaring me because he's not even moving. And I was like, Mom, don't worry about it. I'm going to go talk to the doctors. Let me find out what's going on. Just straight, kind of macho, kind of like, hey. So it's like, so what's going on? You know, what's going on? My father's like, well, you know, he's dealing with a condition right now. And, you know, there's about a 4% chance he'll live. And what do I think? 4% all the winter needs is more than one. Let's go, you know. So I huddle my siblings up and I'm like, look, we need to make sure our father walks out of here. But we all got to be on the same page. So, and of course, over time, that four went to three, went to two, went to one. And I remember walking over to my father while he's laying on that bed. And that was the first time reality had hit me. I was like, my dad's not coming home. Like, I don't, I can't even feel that he sees me over him right now. Like, I like, it's like, it's like, there's just a body here. My dad's soul is not here. Like, I can't feel it at all. And I mean, that could have been because you know, I'm disconnected from God because I'm telling God what I want instead of asking him to guide me through this. But whatever it was at that moment, I was like, reality hit me. And I remember, you know, I think it was 4.53 in the morning, you know, it was over. And I remember going out in the parking lot of that hospital and I'm screaming. Like, I'm just like, God, man, you said you never leave and forsake me. It's like, man, I'm out here by myself. I got nothing. My mom's in there. You know how, you know, it's how it's affecting her, my brother's you know, everyone in there is all sad or whatever. All I ask you to do is just make sure my father walked out of here and you didn't hear me. You won't even do that. And then of course, after I got over myself, um, the still small angelic voice spoke to me and was just like, I heard you and I've granted you exactly what you want. Um, your father is going to walk out of this hospital, but he's going to walk out of here as you. He's giving you everything you need, the integrity, the work ethic, the love, the you know, the unity, all of the things that are needed to be able to live a great and fulfilling life. Your father has given it to you. So now, you know, get yourself together and go do what your heavenly father and your earthly father have asked of you and go out and be the man we called you to be. And my whole outlook on death, life, everything changed in that moment. And 
that's when I just really started leaning into more service and less, what am I getting out of this? Right. Where I was just like, all right, you know, let me see what this is like. Because at that time, my father was my moral barometer. Like it's like you went to him and he was retired. So I could call him any time of the day. He's picking the phone up. And I'm like, you took that from me. And so I, at that time, felt like a child. I was like, God, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not adequate enough. I can't do this by myself. Right. I, I don't, I don't have it. You know, I'm sitting up here, you know, talking all this noise or whatever, but it's like the man who I got all my advice for, you just took him from me. So what do you want me to do? And it's like, I want you to grow up. You're the man now. You're 33 years old. I need you to figure this out. And so that, that changed my whole outlook from the standpoint of just also looking at the fact that my father's death probably is the greatest blessing that it could have ever happened to me. And it's, and I can say that now it took me, took me almost 10 years to figure that out. Wow. Um, yeah. God gave me like a wake up call, like a total uppercut of just like, like, like almost like, who do you think you are? Right. Like to just come at me sideways like this. And, and it just, it just, it just was an awakening for me. And I leaned into the ministry more and not to say that I didn't have many more struggles from then, but that was the start of a ministry that I didn't even know existed. And had that not, had that not happened, I don't know where I'd be. I probably would be doing well, but I wouldn't be doing well in the spirit that I am now. Let's just say that. Yeah. Amen. That's a great testimony, you know, tragic, but great testimony. And, you know, I mean, that, that that a preach, brother. <laughs> that will preach. Praise God. Hey, folks, Pastor Bob here. We're out of time for today's portion of this great interview with Amard Vitel. Uh, he's been providing young people with the tools they need for personal success, and they're learning how to utilize their willpower, their determination to overcome obstacles and achieve personal goals all while making society better in their wake as they go along. Amen. Now, he authored a great book, Now What? Five Steps to Get Up and Create the Most Out of Life. And this book is a guide for young adults who want to have concrete, practical solutions for their problems. Folks, it doesn't matter if they've been raised in troubled homes or embroiled in a criminal justice system. It just doesn't matter because if they have no clear path forward, they're going to be lost. Amen. This book, Now What?, is designed to help them steer their life towards productivity and fulfillment. Drop down the show notes, click the links right there, get in touch with Amard, order his book, and if you really want to be used by God and be a huge blessing, buy a box of books and give them to the young men's group at church. Watch what God can do when you are a blessing like that. Amen. Don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. You know God can can use you like that. Drop down the show notes, click the links right there, Be sure to come back for the very next episode because we're going to conclude this interview with Amard Vital. Till then, this Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. 
That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success.